Hello and welcome back to all my darlings. And we are reading Marguerite Young, The Collected Poems, edited by Phil. I don't know who we are. I'm reading your listing. <laughs> Sorry. Edited by Phil Bevis, Joshua Roths, and Jacob Seifring. Like I have some, you know, uh, production company. No, no, it's just me. Um, there's some interesting. So I read through some of these poems. I honestly, I'm trying to read them in advance so I make them sound decent because they are their poems and although it's not my favorite thing it's they're hers and it's these are interesting and I found a couple I liked but so I do try and read these in advance so I don't sound so tongue-tied trying to get them out um but I think there's some interesting ones in this section um we'll see what we get through heart who stays it matters not at all if to this dark, omnivorous, and eyeless head come the moon-streaming seraphim of all the asture, blinded dead, slanting like honey-colored leaves across a drift of early snow, for the head remembers the heart who stays, remembers the heart who cannot go. I don't know if it matters, but in this case, the head and heart are capitalized, as if like their names. I like this one. Lot's wife. Lot's wife was turned a pillar of salt, for she looked back, poor dear, her fault, that she desired her certain door and shadows on a cool stone floor. The sleepy kitten she did not bring, the silver well, the mirrored wing. Ah, well I know how I have turned, like one who watched a town that burned, and he who lives in what has flown is less than salt is less than stone. I like this, like Lot's wife turning back to, to watch it is a natural thing, like it's something someone would do. So I like that one. Plea for Sodom. But it is such a small city, sirs. It is so very little. There are seldom travelers or someone come to call. Indeed, the populace is largely composed of fowl and creatures, four-footed. It would seem to me small for heaven's fires. Wherefore, gentlemen, I urge you, omit it from your anger, although other skies are blue. I have known this one longer. I ask but for the sake of birds flitting through waves of grass, the crabapple, the slow brown herds, and the old blind broken ass. So I noticed in a couple of these, it's, uh, there's a lot of religious connotations in there and I like that I so Lot's Wife I really like and the uh, plea for Sodom I like too like it's more than just uh, humans you know we put ourselves what is it the anthropomorphic no what is it ethnocentric what is it where we put ourselves first human beings like top of the top of the world um and so she's making this plea for like you're going to destroy Sodom when it's not it's not really filled with people it's filled with other things animals i like that i like that you're saying that that argument is there for okay yeah there's people but there's all of this other stuff there's all these other creatures that are you should consider before you elect to destroy it i like that proudest lady she is vain of the bright orioles she is obscurely proud of apple leaves or april's opulescent cloud. She is vain of curious things, 
not of her wing sleek hair, nor of her jeweled rings, but of the spotted air. The fluted frost briefer than flowers, and the moons wane as if they belonged to her. She is absurdly vain. Milton's Wife Now on the ledge where she had proffered crumbs of her wedding and, la and first delight, Sparrow screamed of penal fire to her breast drained dry, her bloodless lips, the wraith of her hair. Back of the wainscot, blue mice skeltered across the abyss of a house which was shut to her egress. So faint was her hand to lift the latch between her and streets of shallow sunlight, Poor lady, attuned to the delicate gleam of mirrors and stemmed glasses staring, a sea of candlelight where laughter was fluted and whirled, now she saw armies of shadows crossing a wall. She heard the crow-feathered planets cawing with each slow bell from a rusted clock, and she was startled. Globed was her body once in lesser odysseys, a storm with calm of the lily's cup. But parched as dry leaves burning, colder than the brittle bough that is hung with snow, she stood transfixed in a hollow house where no footfalls disturbed the dust, a ghost suspicious of a moth. I don't claim to understand this, but um, I do like it as far as, I never thought of like Milton's wife. We hear of his daughters that he, they helped him transcribe Milton's poetry. But yeah, what of the wife? I mean, they obviously... Like, to have this house filled I don't know. Okay, for to me, it seems like to have this house filled with this, this, the husband who's working on this, you know, achievement, this paradise lost, this huge epic poem with all these huge topics of heaven and hell and angels and everything. And so to be in that, and then where's the wife's role in that? The lesser odyssey. Um, so I like that. Or the what it brings to mind. The visit. Here grief is delicate and light, falling like leaves on sightless sight. Here one word could blow apart like dust the unenchanted heart. But where my strength is silken bound and cannot move, here have I found solace to endure the stubborn heart plucked out, the stranger's son. For here despair in the winds wail and deserts where I fought the devil, wane as the angry heart is stilled. Through windless air green leaves are spilled, and all Saharas are less than space between me and one mournful face. From lost encounters returning whole, I am possessed by the quiet soul, the faint perfume of futurity, the balm and Gilead for me. I like it. Like I said, the, this one in the, these next couple, they all, and then of course uh, Milton's wife, they have these uh, uh, religious uh, connotations. So this next one is Daniel. As a matter of record, let it go down. Let it be said that I have lived to regret at most, but at least to question my wisdom where the monsters breathed. Although in darkness mine was faith to keep those tawny lions stilled, lapping against me was their breath of flame, the flesh was chilled. Perhaps in truth I was heroical, but as time wears on, I am inclined to believe I was but stoical, a creature with a stubborn mind. 
As time wears on and the lion people the world of darkness where I waken, that willful faith which so enchanted monsters is most strangely shaken. For whatever is said of the other side, and doubtless much will be said of it, they were the wiser ones who died, seen no visions in the pit. That was definitely another take, a different take on Daniel. Heroics. Now in a world of wind and foam, among the nebulous blue rocks where the storm breathes, he walks. Nevertheless, he will come home. Others will fear for him where the wind crosses his breast with the wrath of storm. But he will have moved a step beyond the clouds foreshadowing his doom. Okay, there's one shorter one, and then there's a couple of longer ones, which I'm interested to get into her longer ones, because I feel that's what's leading into uh, Angels in the Forest, and, and it's what's leading into Miss Macintosh, my darling, or prose and that. Okie dokie, let's see, we got a couple more. Experiment in Azure. The feathered breast above was warm as sunlight on a moon-washed sea, but the egg was insecure, a form plucked from the crags of mottled storm. No one could tell what the bird might be, of the stranger bird no one could tell, what distances that bird would fly learning his wings, nor that the shell broken would be the broken sky. Okay, and this is one of her longer ones, which is interesting, I like this one. Two angels. You wish us to speak of our rose-soft lady, what child she was or was not? Sirs, we cannot collect the melody we have heard of but have not heard. Yet you wish us to tell how her straw hair glimmered like gold in the wind, how she demurred a wane weather to waken from mist blue-veined like eyelids she had kissed. So soon the angel clenched her fist and fled into the farther storm with coolest laughter that we stayed warm. Her going seemed the death of charm. Yes, she was the naughty celestial gnome who would not claim her nearest home. Say she drew checks on it in Rome, but what of that? Her letters were sweet, avowing she had winged feet, though, her, though our bread she could not eat. And all such scratchings brought to our eyes swimmingly, with the caught surprise, her gold hair streaming on dim skies. For that matter, there is now and then a gleaning of music of baby cries for a weaning. We find that hieroglyphic meaning, the vision in a pinafore, some feather on an attic floor, the syllable, and not, and no jot more. What choice have we? Old songs were sung of the lark's throat clearly, not the tongue the sad gods listened to. Among silk-wound ladies under gray of pavement stones, we had to lay blown small her mother's child that day. Yet may we not speak of that dimmer creature? She who wore a cloak to cover her alien wings is that forever. It grows not less strange to us we did not see, or she had no face, or if so, it was parentless. She seemed grateful for a word we dropped, however casually. She leaned from the shadows there, you see. Never for purposes of this defense, nor to diminish the difference between the going and coming hence. 
Shall we not affirm these were kindling from one flaming core, facets of the jewel we wore? And I think we'll read, I'll read one more, and that will end it. I think um, this week we'll probably finish up Prismatic Ground. The Dark Wood. Oh, this one's good. I like this one because of the frogs. And there are frogs in Miss Macintosh, my darling. I have, so I have a feeling the frogs were part of her imagination. But this is, a, this is a cool poem. It's almost like a horror poem, which is cool. Now through the dark of the wood, Ellen came. As the wood in the blue noon, it was the same. Small as a girl's room, dear as herself. Familiar as slippers strewn on a shelf. But she saw a curious thing. Bright as a broad-plated leaf, moving, aware of her. Then she knew a frog observed her. And back of him was yet another, and another one. She stood in a maze, too far from the sun, in an oily pool in the pitch-black night. Oh, she was dumb and cold with fright. For with armies of frogs blockading her way, how would she ever reach home before day? With each eye streaming like a miner's lamp, how could she move through the clinging damp? Oh, she was cold and numb with horror, lest one creature even should touch her. They all watched her, and they all spoke. Imagine a lady, croak, 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 alone in the wood without her cloak. Lady, lady, we mean you no harm, yet we advise you, show no alarm, show no alarm. They shrewdly appraised her. They coldly spoke. Oh, I'll take the lady. Croak, croak, croak. Oh, you'll take the lady? We'll all take the lady. Croak. There was nothing to do but stand still as a stone in the dark of the wood and terror alone. So where the frogs whirled like water unfurled, she waited for morning and wondered that no one had given her warning. But in the pale dawn's anemia, she fled through ghostly briars to her white bed and slept with a pillow over her head. When she awakened, she shivered and cried, alone in the light with her eyes opened wide, limpid with birdsong in spring's high flood, and the blue afternoon was the innocent wood. I like that one. Uh, that gave a hint of her uh, crafting a story, and she really, and it Remind you of folk tales, nursery rhymes, fairy tales, things like that. Uh, do, 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 do. I think tomorrow we'll probably finish up Prismatic Ground. All right. I hope you're enjoying it. Thanks for listening. Bye.